The theme of today's message comes to us from Isaiah, the 21st chapter, verse 11. The burden of Duma. He calleth to me out of seer. Watchman, what of the night? Watchman, what of the night? The watchman said, The morning cometh, and also the night. If you will inquire, inquire ye. Return, come. We're led to consider several things today. The job or the work of the watchmen of God. Who they are, what they do, and how it affects us. And the lessons from this scripture as well as others that we will consider today. We want to look at the supreme watchman of all. The watcher God. We want to look at a few moments of other heavenly watchers, angels, who are watching for God and for us and on our behalf. We'll see some watchmen of God have roles varying in significance and scope. Some are premier, preeminent officers of God, prophets, priests, ministers. Some function as laymen in different scope of responsibility and duty as individual believers and saints of God. And then hopefully at the end we'll have a challenging summary of what we have considered today from these words that we're going to look at from God. Now first, let's consider the work of the watchman. We have synonyms that help us understand and know what a watchman is. We use words like century, a sentinel, a guard, a keeper, a caretaker, a lookout. Now these can be stationary, sometimes in a tower, sometimes in a guardhouse, sometimes on a height or elevation where they can see the terrain and the contour of the land. Sometimes they're moving as a patrol or a sentry or a mobile security. We all know the qualities that are very key and important that a good watchman has is fidelity, that is faithfulness to his job and his fellow citizens. The watchman must be awake while others sleep. He must know and recognize the enemy from a friend and must give a warning and a sound of alarm to the citizens of the enemy that is approaching and also welcome and invite those who are friendly. Accept them into the community for which he is a spokesman. We know and understand what a watchman is and what he means. We have books, we have stories, we have movies, we have experiences in our life. 
And so, and so we know what I have said today only covers briefly some of the duties, jobs, responsibilities, and things that we see from a watchman. So we're going to consider the next two categories together. Number one, God as a watcher and angels who are his ministers and who are his servants and who minister to us who are God's people. First scripture, Jeremiah 31st chapter. Beginning in verse 27. Now, today the message is more general rather than specific explanations of prophetic events. We have those throughout the year. We have literature. We have our Bible. We have messages, Bible studies and sermons where we consider word by word distinct specific prophecies of the historical application and the Christian lessons that we uh, are to get out of those lessons and modern day possibilities in current events from those prophecies that were written and recorded for us and the duality possibly that applies sometimes to current events. But let's look here in Jeremiah the 31st chapter and this is a prophecy of future times that are ahead of us but we'll look beginning in verse 27. Behold, the days come, says the Lord, that I will sow the house of Israel and the house of Judah with the seed of man and with the seed of beast. And it shall come to pass that like as I have watched over them to pluck up and to break down and to throw down and to destroy and to afflict, so will I watch over them to build and to plant says the Lord. And there's more in that prophecy. Let's go to back up to the first chapter of Jeremiah. Jeremiah 1, verse 12. In his introductory call to Jeremiah, showing him some visions that he interpreted and explained and we can look at at other times. Then said the Lord unto me, You have well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it. And this word here in the Hebrew, hasten, is the same word, watchman. God says, I will watch over. It is the same Hebrew word as watch. I will watch over my word. And we can thank God that down through the ages, He has watched over His word to Bring it to us today. Now, we have different interpretations, explanations, printings, publications of that word. This is why we've got to look to God and His authorized explainers of that word to help us have a true insight and an understanding of the word that God has preserved. Because it has been distorted and it has been confused and has been misapplied and, and misprinted and published today. That's why it is very important and key that we be careful of the watchman that we listen to and that we follow for the explanation of God's Word who is looking over and watching over this Word that we have before us today. Proverbs, the 15th chapter, and verse 3. Now, 
We're going to intermingle some other terms, and there are a number of things that we can't isolate and spend because we would spend a lot of time just looking at different related associated uh, manifestations of God through His Word. In Proverbs, the 15th chapter, verse 3, says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. He is looking at everything. God, that is such a great God who is watching over this earth and His people on this earth and His creation. And He knows everything that's going on. He sees everything in Job 34. Verse 21. For his eyes are upon the ways of man, and he sees all his goings. Now, in America, on our great seal, you see it on the dollar bill, you see our great seal of the obverse and the uh, uh, front side of the, of the great seal. And we see a pyramid without the capstone representing Egypt. And we see an all-seeing eye over that pyramid. Now I know the Masons have counterfeited and taking as a symbol of their masonry that all-seeing eye. But that doesn't change the fact you can have a counterfeit dollar bill and you can have a real dollar bill and you can spend the real dollar and get your money and the counterfeit will be taken from you. But God is looking at and overseeing everything. Everything in my life, everything in your life, everything in Israel, everything in all the nations of the earth, over this planet and over this universe. And it tells us that in His Word that we won't go there, that He upholds and sustains everything by His Word and by His power. There is none greater than God who knows everything, contrary to Santa Claus, who just knows if you've been good or bad. God knows everything, and He sees everything. Genesis, the 16th chapter. It's so easy to get excited when you talk about God and His greatness and His goodness and consider all the wonderful things He is and the wonderful things that He does. And we look just briefly at a little history here. Of, we've looked at this before in more specific detail, but since it's such an impressive point, I wanted to just bring it again today. But this is concerning the time of Sarah and Abraham and when... Abraham had taken Hagar to be his concubine. And Sarah didn't like that, and she got into uh, words and altercation with, Hera, with, with Hagar and drove her out away. And as she was leaving, in, Isaiah, in Genesis 16th chapter, let's just pick this up in verse 7. As she was leaving, because Sarah had dealt hardly with her, so she fled from her face. And the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, where do you come and where are you going? And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress Sarah. 
And the angel of the Lord, who was, as we know, Jesus Christ. From many different references, I can nail that down for you. But the angel of the Lord, Jesus Christ himself, is talking to her. And he said unto her, I will multiply your seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, you are with child, you're pregnant. He knew she was, and shall bear a son, and shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has heard your affliction. And he will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. We have that today in the Arabs, in the Arabians, the descendants of Abraham, who dwell even and have their dealings with the rest of Israel. But this is what I wanted to come to today. In verse 13. And she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her, Thou God seest me. For she said, Have I also here looked after him that sees me? Wherefore the well was called Be'er Lahai Roy, because it is between Kadesh and Barid. She called him Lahai Roy. The Lord that sees me. The God that sees me. If we can remember, and I had a message on this uh, some years ago maybe. God sees everything about us. He is watching every individual. He knew Hagar was pregnant with a child. And he looked, looked ahead and said, she'll have millions of children. Putting it in my words. And they'll be a wild man in their hand in the midst of their brother Israel. Well, let's go on to Daniel, the fourth chapter. Verse 13, I have a few references here. Daniel, the fourth chapter, this is a recording of the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had, and he explained it to Daniel, and Daniel was the only one that could interpret it and explain it, and you can read the interpretation and explanation of this dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. But I want to read here in verse 13. Now, Nebuchadnezzar is relating this. I saw in the visions of my head upon my bed, and behold, a watcher and a holy one came down from heaven. Now, I don't know whether this is two individuals or whether it is one and a description of the watcher as a holy one or whether it is a watcher and a holy one. He cried aloud and said thus, Hew down the tree and cut off his branches. Shake off his leaves and scatter his fruit. Let the beasts get away from under it and the fowls from his branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump of his roots in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass, in the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let the portion be with the beasts and the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from man's, and let a beast's, heart be given unto him, and let seven times pass over him, seven seasons, either 
three and a half years or seven years, depending on the explanation of the seasons, uh, how you want to interpret that. Usually it's seven years or seven times pass over him. This matter is by the decree of the watchers and the demand by the word of the holy ones to the intent that the living may know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of man and gives it to whomsoever he will and sets up over it the basest of men. And so we see politically and religiously the citizens, sometimes we don't have a, a choice and there's a hungering. Look at the world today. If we could take just a brief moment of hungering for the masses to have freedom from the oppression of their leaders. But the religious and political leaders and military leaders and the people of influence are ruining the societies over which they are serving. And we get so confused when we look at the world today and we say, is it night or is it darkness? Watchmen, watchmen, what of the night? It is night and then day comes and then night comes again and we'll see more. There's confusion in the world today about what is coming upon the earth. Whether it is going to be a change to brightness and goodness and light. Or whether it is going to get darker and darker and darker in night. That is a thing that concerns us and what we have to keep looking at the Word of God to see what God is saying to us, not what certain watchers may be saying to us. In 2 Chronicles, well wait, go on to verse uh, uh, 23, Daniel's interpretation. And whereas the king saw a watcher, and Daniel is interpreting now the dream. And a holy one coming down from heaven and saying, Hew down the tree and destroy it. Yet leave the stump of the roots thereof in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass in the tender grass of the field. And let it be wet with the dew of heaven. And let his portion be with the beasts of the field till seven times pass over him. And then he tells and goes on to the interpretation. Let's back up to Second Chronicles, the 16th chapter. Please excuse Today we're looking at general uh, overview of, of something important and significant here rather than individual explanation of certain prophecies. Second Chronicles, the 16th chapter. You may be there already ahead of me. Daniel wrote on the wall, read on the wall, many, many tickle you farson. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Better watch that. Uh, 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9. Sing unto him. Oh, that's 1 Chronicles. Maybe I, okay. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro through the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein you have done foolishly. Therefore, from henceforth you shall have wars. And so what I wanted to stress was that the eyes of the Lord. What is this? These eyeballs running out throughout the whole earth. Let us go to Zechariah, the fourth chapter. Minor prophet, verse 10.
For who has despised the day of small things? For they shall rejoice and shall see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel with those seven. They are the eyes of the Lord which run to and fro through the whole earth. And Revelation 5, 6. This is a description here of John's vision of Jesus. And I beheld and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And Hebrews 1.14, back up. Hebrews 1.14. Verse 13 says, But to which of the angels said he at any time, Sit on my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? So these watchers, these holy ones, these angels, the seven spirits, the eyes of God. Now, we know that angels, and in, if we could say, their species. We know that in the human kind, in our species, we have the incredible potential to become spirit divine in God and His family. And these angels are serving God and serving us. We don't worship them. We don't try to communicate with them. If they want to communicate with us, and it's proven by God's direction, they will do it His direction. We don't seek out any relationship with angels to try to communicate with them. Now we, we know from scriptures and we understand that maybe there are guardian angels. We talk about His angel. And in the New Testament where they were expecting like uh, Peter, they thought it was Peter's angel that was knocking at the door. And so we have to be very careful in recognizing and understanding that God uses these spirit beings as His watchmen. Now, He knows what's going on, but for whatever His reason and purpose, and maybe to show perfection through the number of seven, to let us know that He knows everything that's going on. And we can get over into recording angels and the book of life and writing down everything that we've done in our life bad and good, the record is there, that we're going to have to stand and give a judge an account for everything we say, everything we do, everything in our life. We're going to have to stand and give an account to God. The wonderful thing about that, brethren, is that the good news is that if it's bad and we've repented of it and asked God to take it away, He's buried it and He's forgotten about it and it'll never come up again. Only the good. So we want to have as much good in our account as possible as those recording angels are writing down. And then they erase, or what, I don't know how they do it, but we want as much good in our account ledger on the positive side, much more than on the negative side of the bad. That wouldn't be good. Okay, now, just briefly, we've looked at a few scriptures about God as a watchman, and 
angels as watchmen. Let's look at human watchmen. Ezekiel, the third chapter. Verse 17. Son of man, his favorite reference to Ezekiel, and one of Jesus' favorite reference to himself, used many, many times as he referred to himself as the Son of Man. Both divine, God with us, both divine in the flesh and human. And we've explained all of that, and that's important to know and understand, the humanity of Jesus, as well as his divinity. Son of man, I have made you a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word at my mouth, and give them warning from me. When I say unto the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him not warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at your hand. If you warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. I know men of God who speak the truth are not always popular and well-liked. Men of God are not entertainers to make us feel good. They are to speak the word of God in a positive way for good and for evil. Yes, we should enjoy God's Word, and we should get great pleasure from seeing and knowing and understanding His truth. But Ezekiel wasn't called to be an entertainer and to entertain the people with wrong messages or softening it, but more in Ezekiel, the 33rd chapter. So much could be said about that, but we're looking now and... Verse 1, Again the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children, and say unto them, When I bring the sword upon a land, if the people of the land take a man of their coast and set him for their watchman. So if we have, well, we can say major and minor, or lesser or layman, or someone who else who is beyond, maybe not an officer appointed by God as called directly, but appointed as a watchman. If when he sees the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people, then whosoever hears the sound of the trumpet and takes not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet. And took not warning, his blood shall be upon him, but he that takes warning shall deliver his soul. But if the watchman see the sword come, and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person away from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. So you, O son of man, I have set you a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore you shall hear the word at my mouth, and warn them from me. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, you shall surely die. If you do not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at your hand. Nevertheless, if you warn him, the wicked, of his way to turn from it, if you do not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but, his, but you have delivered your soul. And he goes on more 
about God's direction, what the words that Ezekiel was to say. Isaiah, the 56th chapter, verse 10. Verse 10, his watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark, sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Yea, they are greedy dogs, which can never have enough. And they are shepherds that cannot understand. They all look to their own way, every one for his gain, from his quarter. Come you, say they. I'll fetch wine, and we'll have filled ourselves with strong drink, and tomorrow shall be as this day, and much more abundant. It's not pleasant to consider the negatives and the warnings from God's Word sometimes. It brings us up short. We like the positive. We like the good. We like the wholesome. We want to know that it comes out all right, and everything would be good. In our transition or our political state here in November, there's a lot of uncertainty about the course of America and the direction and the course of the world because there's such an unrest and such a confusion in the world today and men are striving and men, the citizens want freedom. But our leaders, political and religious, many times God has good, positive watchmen as we'll see, but there are some watchmen that are blind, that are ignorant, that are dumb, that are asleep, that are greedy. They look for their own ways. It all turned out right. There's not going to be any night. It's all going to be day. It's all going to be party. Habakkuk, minor prophet. We say major and minor. Minor generally not because of the insignificance or the lesser importance of their message, but because of the smallness of their book and of their uh, lettering that they uh, write, Habakkuk here, just uh, three chapters in second chapter, verse one. Habakkuk said, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Take my word, he said to Habakkuk, and put it on a billboard out by the city. And when everybody comes, when they read it, they can run with alarm, with alarm and, and warning of what is to come. And he said, it will come for sure. Now it troubles me a lot, brother, when I hear ministers of the church of God say, Prophecy, you've got to be careful about prophecy. Don't focus so much on it. 
you know, that's not important. We don't understand it fully. Yeah, we don't understand it fully, but you know what that says to me? I said, that man doesn't understand prophecy. He doesn't understand the Word of God. And what he's saying is confusing. Oh, it's all going to be nice. Focus on the positive, on the principles and the parables and the good things. But don't worry about it. Do we forget that a third of the Word of God is prophecy? And much of that is dual? Is present and future application as well as historical? And there are major lessons for you and I from the prophecies. And we have to focus on it. We have to keep studying. But we want to know that the watchman, the spokesman from God, is telling us the truth and questioning it and studying it and not be led astray by someone who has appointed themselves, I am a prophetess, I am a prophet, I am a teacher. Give me my money. Give me my salary. Oh, it's all going to be all right. It's all going to be daytime. There's not going to be any nighttime coming. It's all going to, it's all going to end up, turn out good and right and positive. Brother, you're all wonderful folks here. You're really handsome and beautiful women are so dressed up so nice today. And boy, would you like me to talk to you like that? All the nice things he tell you, oh boy, you guys just, I'm sorry you have to sit in the front row down here. We talked a lot about whether to make an aisle here in the center or not. Well, Richard was going to try it this way. And I said, well, you know, they're going to get tired of me looking at them. <laughs> but uh, we're trying to pass it around. You don't want me or anyone that comes in this pulpit to come up here and just give you flowery, flattering platitudes, do you? If you do, raise your hand and leave because you're in the wrong church. If you want to come, myself included, and be corrected and hear the Word of God and take it as it comes, the positive and the good, then we're in the right church. And I tell people this when they call me. I'm looking for a home church. I'm looking, hey, you found it. You found the right congregation. I was expecting a, another visiting family this week, today, but they didn't come. Maybe something else came up and they couldn't be here today. Wasn't able to visit with him except on the telephone. Maybe they'll come next week. People come for different reasons here. And I know they've left for different reasons. And I understand and accept, you know, different reasons. But it would trouble me if they went away because they were not hearing the word of God here. And only hearing platitudes and positive and good messages and good entertainment and good music and drums that we've got and violins and kids singing. If that's all that people come to hear, that's good. We like that. But we want more, don't we? Don't we want a nice steak to go away filled and know that God has spoken to us today? Let me tell you. I try to do this and I'm trying to tell you be careful who you listen to and what they say and how you accept it. And make sure that watchman is speaking for God and giving a message that we can run. Mark, the 13th chapter, Jesus' words. We have a few more verses and we'll be finishing before mealtime. Mark 13 35. 
Watch, this is Jesus' words, watch you therefore, for what he said before. For you know that when the master of the house comes at even or at midnight or at the cock crowing or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping, and that I say unto you, I say unto all, I say to all, Jesus said, watch. Now, the first of the greatest events that were ever to occur in the history of man was the first coming of Jesus Christ when he came to this earth. The second greatest event that is going to change this world and society is the return of Jesus Christ to this earth, the second coming. He's going to come at a time of great uncertainty, brethren. It is a time of confusion. It might be dark, it might be light, it might be at midnight, we don't know. We, we, we're trying to sort this out. And there's some good and there's some light and there's some bad and there's some darkness. But we need to know and we need to be watching and Discerning truthfully the message in the Word of God. Hebrews, the 13th chapter. Hebrews 13, verse 17. Obey them that have the rule over you. And submit yourselves. For they watch for your souls. As they that must give account. That they may do it with joy. And not with grief. For that is unprofitable for you. It's a great responsibility. And a great accountability. And I was talking to... Uh, Tom Pence a little before service we were talking about calling an ordination and I mentioned to him how one congregation that I was in years ago as a deacon and had taken uh, the report and examination and sent the pictures in to Pasadena for consideration for ordination to eldership and had gone through all of that and I won't mention name, but the pastor kept you dangling, 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 politically dangling that potential that he thought was affecting me. But God brought me to a different congregation and a different opportunity. And in 1981, when it came to be finally ordained, I said yes, because I had determined that I was accepting an ordination to the ministry from God and Jesus Christ, my Savior. Not from men. Not from a politician. Not from the pastor of that congregation. Not from the deacons. Not from everyone that signed my ordination and accepted it. And the church hierarchy. That's something just a little personal. And I know this. Many people have refused. I, I don't want to be, because they don't want the accountability. They don't want the responsibility. 
Because when I stand before God, I'm going to have to give a report for everyone in this congregation. How I've treated, how I've spoken, what I've done, how I've counseled. And every man that comes in this pulpit, must I tell him, don't come up here unless you come up here with the word of God. And we accept that and we encourage our, our speakers and those who are here. Like we had uh, uh, Dave Haber here last week. And a very good message and challenging, you know, humorous, but well, well planned and thought out and well received. And a good message. If you haven't heard it, go back and listen to it and challenge it. I was getting a little nervous over there when he was encouraging the children, the, the, the teens, to negotiate with their parents. I almost, I'm getting nervous over here. But uh, I knew where he was going and what he was, what he was about. And it was a good message. Uh, those of you who didn't hear it, you missed a good sermon. Maybe, and, and it's in archives and you can pull that up and listen to it. Isaiah, the 62nd chapter. We're about to close here. Well, you know a little more of me today and my personal feelings. I wasn't... Uh, Intending to uh, say all of that, but I guess it's said. Can't take it back now. It's on I'm in our archives. <laughs> Isaiah 62, verse 6. I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem which shall never hold their peace day nor night. Ye that make mention of the Lord, keep not silence. Those who have been called a watchman, all of us, every one of us, brethren, is a watchman. We have been called to watch. Some have different responsibilities and duties and levels of, uh, of outreach, we can say that. But we're all called to give that sound of alarm and, and to know and to accept those that are friendly and encourage those to repent and to turn, to inquire, to seek after God, to turn. That's what Isaiah was saying, turn and seek and if you will, inquire and repent and get back. Luke, the 12th chapter, verse 35. Last reference here. Uh, no, I have, uh, have one more. Luke, let's see. I'm not sure the order I want to. Let, let me go to Luke while we're turning there. 12. Thirty-five through 40. Let your loins be girded about, and your lights burning. And you yourselves liken to men that wait for their Lord, when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he comes, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. 
And if he shall come in the second watch, or come in the third watch, or find them so, blessed are those servants. And this know that if the good men of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be you therefore ready also, for the Son of Man comes at an hour when you think not. And let's go back in closing to, again, Zechariah and the 14th chapter. I said earlier, the next greatest event of this earth's history is ahead of us. And that's Jesus Christ's return to this earth. I know there's a lot of things going to happen. There's a lot of great things that are going to happen. We know that from history. We know that from prophecy. We know that from just the course and direction of things are going. A lot of things are going to be occurring. But the greatest is when Jesus Christ turns and all the things associated with it. That's what makes it so great and so good that he's coming back. Behold, the day of the Lord comes. And thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. Then shall the Lord go and fight against those nations. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem. I'm just isolating a few sentences here. And the Lord your God, my God, shall come, and all the saints with you. And it shall come to pass in that day that the light shall not be clear nor dark, but it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not day nor night, but it shall come to pass that at evening time it shall be light. And it shall be in that day that living waters shall go out from Jerusalem, half of them toward the former sea, and half of them toward the hinder sea. In summer and in winter shall it be. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day shall there be one Lord, and his name one. Now, we have, in closing, in this life, that's good words to hear in closing. It just means a few more minutes. We have watchmen who are false watchmen. They're giving wrong interpretations and wrong explanations politically, religiously, economically. You can, you can so socially mixing all kinds of things up that God has not approved and never intended and does not approve and will not approve and will not accept. You know what I'm talking about. When you hear these explanations of this is all good and acceptable and come out and, and we've briefly seen today God is the supreme sovereign watcher over all. His angels are watchers for him and for us. Men are varied in status and range of their duties. All are to be faithful, understanding, giving a true warning, giving a true alarm when necessary, and encouragement to those that are friendly and acceptance. You and I, brethren, every single one of us, 
depending on the elevation of the call of the duty and responsibility that God has given us, collectively, our watchmen, to lift up that warning by the explanation to our however, however opportunities are presented to us through the explanation of his word and the right and a true interpretation. And we're going to understand as it gets closer to that time, a time of darkness and confusion and uncertainty, but God will help us sort that out and so we'll be able to see the true day that dawns and the true light and uh, have a better understanding and appreciation as true watchmen of God.